Show. It's a Friday edition, but this is a No Mayo Friday. Ari Wasserman is here. He is looking on, but he is not looking on in horror as he was last week when I was paying off my Mayo bet when I decided that I was going to back Pittsburgh when Ari warned me never, ever, 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 ever back Pittsburgh. So uh, there will be no gagging on this show, at least not until... Our random ranking of candy bars, where you know, if Ari comes up with a bad candy bar, I might kind of go, Bleh. but nothing, nothing is there like a candy bar week. with mayonnaise in it. Uh, God, I hope not. That would be that would be terrifying. That'd be the worst thing ever. That was truly horrific. I'm glad that there's been seven days since it, and I'm I'm super happy that I don't have to see that again. You know, you act like you're scarred. The look on your the maniacal laughing as I was suffering. I know how you really feel, Ari. You you can pretend it wasn't maniacal that you laughing. Care. You were you. Oh no! I, I will send you screen grabs. Everybody has different response to grief. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the t- <laughs> I. It was shock. I don't. I don't know. Like I haven't been shocked like that in a while. It wasn't. I. I. If it looked like I was really enjoying it. I can see why you would think that because I saw the video, but it was it wasn't that enjoyable for me. I, you were that was rough. Oh, it wasn't that. bad. I only watched it twice. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It, I, I I'm just glad we gave some people some joy on Friday and and maybe kept them from eating so much at lunch. So that that's we like to we like to provide a public service here. So Ari, this was a a weird week. So we are recording this on Thursday. The news broke on Wednesday night that Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID. Pending uh, confirmation with another test, he's out for the Georgia game. Steve Sarkeesian takes over. LSU Florida is postponed because of Florida's COVID outbreak. We already found out earlier in the week that Missouri Vanderbilt was going to be postponed because of Vanderbilt's COVID outbreak. So it's it's one of those weeks where things are, are just going to be different. And we may as well start with the biggest game. Because this is the game that everybody's been looking to. I mean, years, for years, people have been excited about this game because you don't get Georgia-Alabama regular season games that often. And these are the two teams that played for the national title a few years ago. They played a, a couple really good SEC championship games. So this is a huge game. And now it just gets weird when the greatest coach of all time isn't going to be there. I was pretty shocked when I saw that. Um, and first, we we I, I want to say that I'm ha- I'm glad to hear that you know as, as we're recording this on Thursday that he's asymptomatic, and I hope it stays that yeah, way. Yeah, he for was his in sake. a very good mood during his press conference. So I'm I, yeah, we can we can. That's why I, I wrote a column about what they should do, and and I said the NCAA needs to change the rules so that they can put a, a robot tackling dummy on the sideline with an iPad strapped to it that has Saban on Zoom. So I, we can we can make light of it because he's okay, but. I, I'm glad he is. Yeah, and, and obviously hope that continues. Uh, and the thing that was just most shocking is the fact that of all the college coaches out there, especially in that part of the country, you know, everybody had a different viewpoint on the same week. Dan Mullen said, or, or didn't mean to say, but kind of said that he wants to pack the swamp. And oh, you know, there's different. It. Yeah, there's there's different levels of how serious people are taking this and Saban was always on the forefront of taking it seriously and it seemed like yeah, Alabama he was the guy who actually kept his mask on and he's the guy that was doing the mask advertisements before it was the cool thing to do and you know from all all accounts it seemed like Alabama was at the forefront of, of safety and it's just a harsh reminder that we're not out of the woods on this thing yet and even I have fallen into the trap of feeling like we have we have football every night basically this week, and part of the reason for that is because COVID suspended some NFL games on Tuesday. But if a person like that, and I would say the most iconic figure in the entire sport, is susceptible to getting it while also taking it seriously, it's just a reminder of how weird this season could get. And and the first thing that you automatically think, Andy, is, well, how many people was he in meetings with? How many people was he around? Right. Uh, how many people on Alabama's roster, if they test, because they're going to test on Thursday – well, they test every day at Alabama. Every day, been but testing they're testing the next day after the fact that 
after he got it, you you have to hold your breath for the next test, right? Because that's the yeah. next round. And, you know, you hope, A, for the, <laughs> the excitement of this game that we get to watch it. But B, I'm a little bit nervous, A, for the health and safety of people on Alabama's roster. And I'm also nervous that the game itself is going to be just kind of odd now. And it's supposed to be the best regular season game in the country. And it's like, how do you even take losing Nick Saban off the sidelines into account when trying to, like, judge how this game goes? Well, I think it depends on the outcome. This is something that the playoff selection committee is probably going to have to talk about. You know, we've, we've asked them year after year what happens if somebody gets hurt, what happens this. And, and they haven't had a situation like that where they really had to dig in to an odd deal. And here's the thing. I'm not sure this is that situation because let's say Nick Saban doesn't coach and let's say Georgia wins. Well, if Alabama comes back and beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, then Alabama's going to make the playoff anyway. So you don't have to talk about that. Maybe you talk about it in terms of seeding. But I, I just don't know that it's going to be like the Kenyon Martin broke his leg on Sunday, the Big East tournament kind of conversation. Do you, do you make them a one seed or not? Is this just an assumption at this point that both these teams are playing two times this year? Because I've been reading a lot of comments from Georgia fans the too that they just it's say. It's the assumption after Florida's defense has played the way it has the first few weeks because it, it, it doesn't feel like they're – going to be able to beat Georgia. Now, what's interesting about all this with Florida, they're not playing LSU this week. We'll see if they can play Missouri next week because that could be a, a tricky one too if you have 18 players positive, or I think it was 21 players positive, 18 scholarship, three walk-ons. So you have 21 players positive. They have to isolate for 10 days until the, you know, 10 days from, from being symptomatic. So will you be able to practice for Missouri? Cause you're not going to play against Missouri if you hadn't been able to practice for him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's the scariest thought process. Andy has always been how much can this system take before it starts to fold a little bit, you know, and I don't want to be a doomsday person, but Vanderbilt yeah, but played. Is, with this, a, is this any different than what Virginia tech did or what the ACC and big 12 teams have been doing? Oh no, no, no. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. They're, they're, uh, risk measure or their ability to endure it. I mean, I think it's been kind of odd that the NFL has been more willing to cancel and postpone games than the, but I mean, Vanderbilt played with what? 52 scholarship players on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, how low can you go? I mean, if you can play with 52, that's like almost half of your entire roster is not playing. And if we're talking about scholarship guys, I mean, how many scholarship guys, especially somebody who's participated in a college practice, do you actually need to have a functional practice prepare for a football game? Mm, you you can do you can have a functional practice with about sixty people probably. Yeah, yeah that's it, it's it's a lot easier when you have full scout teams and you can just work two fields at a time. But you know it, it's it's doable. It's just it is going to be weird. And you know the SEC is going to come out with their tiebreakers probably later this week or, or early next week. And I imagine they'll be similar to what the ACC does, which you know it, they're going to be. They're going to account for if you can't play the same number of games as everybody else. And they're going to try to protect head-to-head -head winners, even if they have a lower winning percentage. Let's say, you know, I, I think with, with Florida, we'll use them as the example. Let's say that they can't make up one of their games. And they, they end up beating Georgia. And they're eight, Florida's 8-1 and one, and Georgia's 9-1. and one. Well... Under the, the way the ACC is doing it, Florida would go to the championship game because they played only one game less. And as long as you're one game within the average that everybody's gotten to play, then you qualify for the championship game. And then it's, it's winning percentage unless head-to-head -head supersedes it. And the head-to-head -head would supersede it in that case. So now, you've seen Florida's defense play. That would be a very big upset at this point if if they beat Georgia but that's the sort of thing and the thing is what if now they play Georgia and they haven't played that they and they've had two weeks off three weeks off because they have an open date before that what if they they haven't played in three weeks and they get everybody rested and then they go beat a Georgia team that has played this meat grinder now granted Georgia's got an open date before that too but if I'm if I'm Georgia I'm sitting there going I don't, I don't know if I like that yeah yeah it's just kind of one of these things too where 
uh, fans and the people putting a, <laughs> the rules in charge have to just understand that it's just going to be weird. And I think we knew that going into it. I think everybody's just so thankful that they're going to play, but it's just going to be weird. You know, and I think you have to accept the fact that as long as everybody's played um, the similar amount of games or whatever, you can't get hung up on, well, how rested is this team? Or how, what was their schedule compared to them? Or when did right. they get canceled? If you start doing that, then you're. how do you even have a playoff committee? I mean, well, it's just I, part I of the way it this, is. I came up with a scenario that would make Kirby Smart's head explode yesterday. Let's hear it. This is what the SEC could do. if it, Let's say they can't do Florida-Missouri next week. What they could do... So Florida's open date is the 24th. Georgia's open date is the 24th. Missouri's open date is November 7th. They could move Florida, Georgia to October 24th and have Missouri and Florida play on November 7th if they wanted to. But then Georgia would have to play in order Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, Florida, with no break. There's That's no impossible. way. There's they, no way they're going to make them do that. If they had that schedule, what do you think the percentage of them, like chance of them not losing, would be? Zero. They would lose to Kentucky or Florida. I mean, they still might lose. They they could they might lose to Alabama. They might lose to Kentucky. I mean, when they let's say they beat Alabama this week, they're going to go into the Kentucky game having been through some really physical games the last few weeks. And you can say, oh, well, they killed Tennessee and they killed – those are still really good, big, fast players that they're colliding with. Like, yeah. that takes a toll. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that this is kind of what we were expecting out of the SEC schedule anyway. So if you start adding things in and postponing it and making your schedule even harder, then it's kind of a, a disaster. And I feel for Georgia. And I, I don't know, like, how the playoff committee is going to view things – but depending on how things shake out, Andy, I think I would consider taking a two-loss SEC team in the playoff and making the first two-loss team in uh, the playoff era come out, out of that conference because it's I, just – I think that's it, – that'd be I fine. Think, It'd be understandable. And it, It's the first time where it's warranted. There's no breaks uh, unless you get your game postponed. But if you get your game postponed, that's a whole other issue of practicing and, and whatever. I don't know. Like, do people think it's an advantage if your game is postponed? Because that means that your roster gets to rest and there's more pre- preparation time? Or is it a disadvantage because half your team or a large portion of your team and coaching staff got ill? Like, I don't know I, how to I view that. I think anything that dis- disrupts the regular rhythm of your season is a disadvantage. Because football teams thrive on, on routine. And right. And so if you've got like a two-week period where – you're not having real practices and you're not doing that. That's how guys get out of shape. That's how guys get rusty. You you don't want that, you know, and and you can say, well, it'd be great for Florida to have three weeks rest before Georgia. I I don't know about that. That's, that's like the, the rest before a bowl game. Sometimes people get kind of, you know, lackadaisical. Yeah. People were hammering the bills uh, Tuesday night football because Tennessee had gone two and a half weeks without playing and then the next thing you know Tennessee Titans are winning by 100 so you know I know it's just like I don't know how to how to view it I agree with you I think it's game Saturday rest Sunday uh film study those two days hard practice Tuesday walk through Thursday you know every week it's the same but uh part of it too when you're playing a schedule like this is the the grind of of the physical activity that it takes and the toll it does on your body and getting a relief from that, especially if it's a minor outbreak that doesn't have a lot of starters or people in a position. Uh, being sick, you would think that they might be fresher, stronger, more ready to play a football game as a result of that too. So, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just giving the alternate view of it. And Yeah, no, it's you know, it, and there, there's no right answer because we don't know. We haven't seen it. Now, I think that one of the reasons defenses have struggled this year is because of the – the way conditioning was broken up during the offseason and because of the way camp was broken up because you had guys going in and out because of quarantine and, and, and that sort of thing. Defenses are not in as good a shape as they normally would be at this point in the season. And, I mean, you saw Ole Miss, Alabama. Those defenses by the end of the third quarter, they were done. They were absolutely done. And, you know, these offenses are designed to wear defenses out. That's where it's interesting because we have gotten on Kirby Smart for years 
How come you don't modernize the offense? Why, why are you so stuck in your ways? Well, guess what? Georgia's defense doesn't play as many snaps as other defenses because their offense takes longer and their offense holds the ball longer. Yeah, and their defense is off the field very quickly. <laughs> that, help, that, that helps too. Now, we'll, I mean, we'll have a better sense of it after this week because they're playing a really good offense in Alabama. You know, can they get off the field that quickly against Alabama is another story. But it's just one of those things where there's, there's not a lot of right answers because nobody's ever been through this. This is, this is just sort of trial and error as they go. Yeah, the thing I've been curious and I'm excited to talk to you about, though, is with Nick, let's just hope and and assume that moving forward that he and and was the only case or that didn't cause an outbreak enough to, to cancel the game on Saturday. How worse off do you think Alabama is without their head coach on the sideline? Is the head coach's job primarily – uh, preparation, motivation, scheme, overlooking the team during the week to prepare them for Saturday, and then you're on autopilot by Saturday? Or no, do you need that attitude. presence? You you create the team's attitude during the game by how you decide, do I go for this fourth down? Do we take a shot here on second and short? You know, th- These are things that, even though he's not the play caller on offense or defense, he is making suggestions. Like, yeah, he's the I imagine – yeah, I imagine there's a lot of second and ones where he goes, all right, let's take a shot here. And Sarkeesian dials up a shot play. And that's that's what you have to account for because we, we've seen Steve Sarkeesian coach. You know, he was a head coach at Washington, head coach at USC. I would say he's not as aggressive as a head coach as Nick Saban. Nick Saban's a, a particularly aggressive decision maker. Uh, maybe not as aggressive as Lane Kiffin as we saw during the game against Alabama, which I think Lane Kiffin's aggressiveness in going forward on fourth down and, and making those decisions quickly and decisively helped Ole Miss stay in that game. But we've seen Nick Saban be a very aggressive decision maker throughout his career. I go back to that first Clemson national title game where he recognized pretty early they weren't stopping Deshaun Watson and Clemson. So they had to do something different. So early in the fourth quarter, they go with an onside kick that Clemson wasn't ready for, that Alabama had been preparing all week for, and, and Saban had watched. And the, the second he saw Clemson multiple times bunching their formation to one side because they knew Alabama was going to kick it that way, he knew that onside kick was in play later in the game. And he popped it on them, and it won them the game. Clemson wins that game if Alabama doesn't recover that onside kick. So that's the, that's the play-calling part of it that you miss now can Steve Sarkeesian be that guy sure he can but we know what we're getting with Nick Saban we don't know what we're getting with Steve Sarkeesian yeah I always like the comparisons between Sark and Saban as if everybody doesn't know what the answer there is it's such a relevant thing to talk about Saban's one of the best coaches of all time and Sark's been fired but at the same time too I feel like coaching Sark was not fired for being a bad coach that's the part you got to remember. Sark was fired because yeah. of, of issues no, remember, of alcoholism yeah. that, have, that have now yeah. been, according to everyone, taken care of. So this is a, a great opportunity for Sark, I think, because you know, he, he got a look at the Colorado job. I, you know, Alabama paid him to, to stay. But he will be a head coaching candidate again. And if you comport yourself well in this situation, if you're him – then by all means, you're going to have your pick. What better way to have a nice audition than uh, taking that talent onto a field against Georgia? I don't know. Maybe some of his teams at USC were talented. I don't know what the what it, what his situation was off the top of my head in terms of like the pure numbers of that there. But no, no better uh, opportunity than to take a, a Formula One car out for a spin, you know. And yeah, I, I know it's kind of a yeah. Go ahead, have fun, you know. I. I and he's been known as somebody who's been an, a pretty solid play caller. I mean, Saban paid him for a reason. Uh, I like to see the idea of how he could do this. I understand that what, everything you said about Saban, I agree 100%. Sometimes you just want to look the man in the eyes on the sideline, and that kind of changes the entire aspect of the way that you feel or uh, are motivated or how you want to perform in that football game. I get that. Uh, but I'll, like even Saban said it himself, Alabama's got the players. They know the game plan. They've got to go execute it. And, you know, I agree with that. And 
I, I don't know exactly. We saw the line drop, and I don't know if that's a segue to the next part of the podcast, but well, the line I, dropped. I, I have one question before that. Yeah, sure. If Georgia wins this game, does it count as the first win by a former Saban assistant against Saban or not? I think so. I, 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 I don't know. Are we going to play this game where Alabama – if Alabama loses the game without Saban, is Georgia not going to get to enjoy it? Because like that's not that makes the entire game. It, you know, Georgia fans, coach, Georgia fans will point out that they never really get to enjoy anything, so it would be part yeah. of the course for them. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that they'll get to really enjoy it if they win the second time. <laughs> Whoever wins the second time, <laughs> that's the yeah. game that we're all really excited for. I, I I'm not saying that I'm not super pumped to watch this. It's going to be a nice barometer of where teams are especially after Alabama's defense gave up a thousand points last week and Georgia seems to have turned it on and is playing physical brand of football that is super impressive and I personally think that Georgia I would take the points in the scenario uh, before this happened uh, well the let's, spread let's moved talk up. let's talk spread because the spread moved when when Nick right. Saban announced he had COVID so it was Alabama minus six or minus six and a half it, it was six Okay. I think six and, and a half Alabama at some four. point. Yeah. Depending on your book. And okay, Alabama's. So now, it's, how many points is Nick Saban worth? Well, apparently two. Because <laughs> it's, now, it's now Alabama minus four. Now, I would argue if you watch these two teams play, that the spread should have been closer than that anyway. And I don't know. So, Ari, how are people handling home field advantage in terms of the number because you know it used to be basically a field goal in college or, or three and a half or something like that but there's no real home field advantage this year so do, do they bring that down to zero no it hasn't been zero uh i think it's two or two and a half and part of the reason i think andy for road trips and and the it's not just the crowd I think it's all the stuff. You got to pack. You got to get on a bus. You got to get on an airplane in some cases. You got to stay in a place sometimes that you're not familiar with, you know, working out in their facilities and doing uh, the walkthrough in a stadium and having an opposing locker room that isn't as luxurious as your. I think there's a oh, lot. No, nobody walks through it. in the stadium anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? The warm ups. Yeah. yeah. Also, let me be the first, if not. The, my, well, the first time I've said it on your podcast to say how ridiculous the paranoia in college football is and how coaches act. I think it's like the most unbelievably childish thing Hilarious ever. Nobody is nobody's spying on you. <laughs> nobody's spying on you. Everybody's spying. Listen, you're not paranoid. Even if, and, if there really are black helicopters following you, Ari. Yeah, it's like that end of the Goodfellas. But you know what? They were following him, so I don't know. <laughs> what are those, Karen? <laughs> Just stir uh, the sauce. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. Yeah, just keep your keep stirring on the sauce. You wouldn't believe the stories that I've heard about from recruiting coordinators about paranoia and people afraid that they're going to see their recruiting board and like unplugging their phones when they leave the office so nobody can listen. And it's just like, come on, that's not happening. You know, they don't even have stings like this on drug operations like that. I mean, it's a football game. So um, and really. I know you and I agree on the disagree on the percentages, and I listened back to our our uh, podcast last week, and I was laughing kind of hysterically in my car when you're like, "There's no way that they would keep Tom Herman for a recruit." We were like that back and forth that everybody was all excited about. Yeah, but I'm gonna be right on like that. Like eighty percent of a coach's job, the part of creating the roster and the game plan, twenty percent of its game day and development. I don't know. He put the team together. Well, if you add the game plan into it, I I think your roster plus game plan would be ninety percent. I I would say development and uh, scheme development, and I don't know because there's difference between game planning and developing your scheme. And so I say development and motivation and scheme is the other fifteen percent, and how you are on game day is five percent. I think I would agree with that. Now I think development of players is is an important piece of it. I think see I would I would move the roster construction piece back to about 65 and then add in some player development there to get it to 80 maybe 15 yeah yeah percent player development uh it's it's really 50 percent luck 50 percent skill uh 15 percent concentrated power will five percent pleasure 50 percent pain <laughs> i think i've now gone way over 100 i don't know if fort minor knew how to do math 
Yeah. Well, it's just to me, that's why we're getting back to like Georgia enjoying the win. The team that they're going to play against Alabama is the Alabama that Nick Saban made. It's the scheme that Nick Saban drew up. It's the players and the development. So what you're that saying had. is they're getting they're getting 95% of what Nick Saban does. They they're not getting the 5% yeah. game day part. Uh, okay, so of that So they have to cover for how much how much is Sark? Can Sark get up to like 3.9? Well, yeah, what if Alabama comes out and pitches 65 on this team and you know, it's the most elegant play calling you've ever seen in your life. Listen, here's my here's my rule, Andy. If Saban is worth two and a half points, then Georgia can only count it if they win by three or more. So if they win on a last second field goal, if they win on a last second field goal, win by one or two, then the Saban effect, they don't get to claim that that victory. But if they win by three, then they've outdone the Saban point total that he's worth according to Vegas and thus can say that they were superior to Alabama. I like that math, Ari. I like that math. I think that is very, very logical. Now, logic has no place in college football discussions, as we know. But or this I, podcast. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another number. One, one that I just enjoy because it. I was scrolling down the screen, and I was like, oh, my God, this game is this week. Last year, season opener, Liberty and Syracuse, Hugh Freeze coached from a hospital bed in the press box. The iconic photo of Hugh Freeze thumbs up from the hospital bed down to Dino Babers. Syracuse crushed Liberty in that game. Liberty comes into this game, coming into the Carrier Dome as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. (sighs) Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) Three-and-a-half-point favorite. So Hugh this Freeze is a nice segue. Yeah, it's a nice segue from uh, the Saban thing because can Saban coach the game from Zoom? I heard him talking about it in his Zoom conference last night. Is there a way that I can be involved? For how on earth could you possibly do that? Not according to NCA rules, but again, they've tweaked every other NCA rule this year. So why not this one? And I, I wrote it. How could it you do it anyway? I could tell you. Even- I, I wrote it in Dear Andy. Have you seen the, the robot tackling dummies? Yeah, they're very precise. And they're the size of a human being. So you put an iPad across one of those, and obviously you'd have to have a, a, a charger, like a mobile charger, that, that kept it charged for the whole game. But it's on Zoom, and it's just a Zoom call to Saban's office. So Saban has the Zoom up. He's got a headset where he can hear and talk to everybody, and he's got a joystick to control the remote, the robot tackling dummy. So I think it's perfect. This is ridiculous. My kid does this on Fortnite every night. Nick Saban can do it for a football game. If they actually try to do that, I would say it would be a disadvantage to what they're trying to do. I think it's worse than him not doing it. Ari, you're taking the robot tackling dummy way too seriously. No, no, I'm saying if they tried any way to get him involved in game planning or decision making from his house, it wouldn't It would be against the rules, so I don't think they're going to try to do it. And you're right, it would be more trouble than it's worth, and you also want to be there. You want to be able to look people in the eye and, and see that. So I'm yeah. with you. I, I don't think it would work. And look, we saw what happened when Hugh Freeze, he was in the stadium. But that didn't work out very well. And Syracuse yeah. was not that much better than Liberty last year, but beat them by a ton. So are you saying that this is a redemption game for the Flames? 4-0 coming yeah, into this is. game? Uh yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, Syracuse is kind of a tricky tricky team to me. I can't figure them out. I I think that a lot of people are going to look at what happened last year and they're going to forget the context of how it happened. <laughs> I, I think you're right because was a, that was a blowout. So let that be a warning to you. I, and I am proud of you, Ari. I'm proud because you found a way to make our conversation about Liberty and Syracuse and our jokes about Hugh Freeze coaching from a hospital bed relevant to the biggest game of the week. That I is, know. You know, it's a gift. That is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he was talking about it yesterday. And I was like, how do you think you're going to do anything from anywhere but the stadium? The thing I'm wondering is if he if he gets a positive test. Well, we're gonna have to, we can't go too much longer on this. But if he gets another negative soon after, maybe he had a, a false positive. That's what I'm hoping. Well, we'll see. But let me, let me throw another number in the SEC at you, Ari. Yep. Ole Miss going to Arkansas as a two-point favorite. Vegas knows something. 
Yeah. Arkansas is tough, man. Yes, they are. I, I don't know. I, I, I was listening to your podcast with Fortuna talking about them, and Pittman's really, really changed the entire vibe of that program. And I don't know. There was no reason why they should have been the laughing stock that they were a year ago, and I think that's part of the reason why their coach is different. Uh, when you talk about a top 30 talented roster in college football who's now playing tough and angry, uh, they're not going to win as much as, as they would like to ideally in the SEC just because of how tough this is, but they're not going to be an easy out for anybody. And until Ole Miss can stop anyone, I'm not laying any points on the road if I'm them. Well, and this is a time for me to advertise for the Sam Pittman feature that runs today on The Athletic. You can read that right now uh, if you're an Athletic subscriber. And by the way, if you aren't an Athletic subscriber, what are you waiting for? $1 a month for your first year for the best sports writing on the planet. It is more two stories than you can shake a stick at, including a story about Sam Pittman and how he has transformed the mentality at Arkansas. This dude's, this dude's the real deal, Ari. $2 gets you a four-piece chicken nugget, spicy at McDonald's, and a month uh, subscription to The Athletic. Isn't that like the best deal on earth? I can't think of a better one. Give me, give me a better way to spend $2 right now. There, there is none. There is no way. Um, I certainly wouldn't spend two dollars betting on Ole Miss Arkansas on a two point spread because this is a this is a weird one because Kendall Bryles is Arkansas's offensive coordinator. Kendall Bryles obviously uh, was the offensive coordinator at Baylor. He runs that offense. Guess who else runs that offense? Ole Miss runs a version of that offense. Jeff Levy, who worked with Kendall Bryles at Baylor and is in fact Kendall Bryles' brother in law. He's the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Now, Lane Kiffin obviously has thrown his secret blend of herbs and spices into that offense as well. So it's a little bit different there. But Kendall worked with Lane at FAU. He was Lane's offensive coordinator there. So he knows what Lane wants to do. Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, has a great resource. Plus, his defense every day has been working against an offense that runs similar principles. So it will not be as big of a shock to the system, I think, for Arkansas as that offense was to Florida, Kentucky, and Alabama. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing about Kendall Bryles being the offense coordinator there is that everybody thought that Sam Pittman was like an overreaction to the previous coaching regime and be turning, turning an offensive line guy into somebody who was just going to try to pound the ball like they were Georgia. And if you don't have the talent that Georgia has, that's like impossible these days. And then you, you get a guy like Bryles in there who runs that offense the way that they do. And, and I think the emotional um, letdown that they, that Ole Miss is susceptible to having this week after putting it all on the line to almost, I mean, they pushed Alabama to the brink. Like I like Arkansas in the game. And I know that the spread might seem low to some people. And if it feels weird and it looks weird, it's weird. So I like to go into the other direction of those things. And if I, I don't think I would touch this if I were just getting to pick which games I'm choosing. But since we're talking about it, I think Arkansas is the play here. So over under on that game, 76. Under. This is. Nope. Over. <laughs> this is the year defenses get tired. Over. Okay. So let's. This sounds like a bet to me. All righty. Um, I'm not. All right. If you lose, you have to swallow a spoonful of mayonnaise. <laughs> no. <laughs> How many times can I get you to do mayonnaise in one season, you think? Uh, that's it. We, we've learned my body can't tolerate it, so there's no way. All right. If you lose, if they go over 76 in this game, you have to do 50 push ups on the podcast, on, the, on our Zoom. I don't call. even know if I physically could do 50 push ups. I know. That's the best part. That's why we're making the bet. Okay, so now I can pick something that you physically can't do? Uh, Go for it. I mean, I have to be able to try to do it in my house. Can you do 50 push-ups? Oh, yeah. I can do 50 push-ups right now. I'll do it. Let's make that the the, the bet. But it's weighted for me because it's harder for me. All right, so make it 100 for me. I can't do it. I don't think I can do 100 in a row. I'd have to take a break. Okay. Okay. All right. I like it. And remember, this will be on video. Yeah. Okay. 
Come on, hogs and rebels. Let's score I think, some points, I, like I, baby. I think I would, I think I would rather uh, do something that I don't want to eat. I, I know that. That would that. be That's, even funnier. No, this is going to be funny. I promise. Yeah. Okay. I think, I, I think we're stealing this bit from Howard Stern. I'm, I'm pretty sure Howard Stern did this bit with somebody, with one of the lackeys, like, 10 years ago. I just can't remember which one. I think it was. It may have been Sal Sal Governale. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So fifty push-ups for you, hundred push-ups for me. If we lose, uh, and it, the over/under on this game is seventy-six. That sounds high, but remember that's thirty-eight to thirty-eight. Ole Miss just played a game where the final score was sixty-three to forty-eight. You know what you should do, since you're so confident? Okay. You should take your actual money out of your wallet. No. God, no. <laughs> and let me uh, just confirm what the actual... Because where are you looking at your spreads? On DraftKings? I'm on DraftKings, one of our lovely sponsors. Okay. What did you say the number was? 76. Okay, 76. Okay. All right, we have we have a bet, and this is this is good. I'm I'm glad because yeah, we're doing like like I'm with a personal trainer right now, trying to get my ass in shape. Good, and I'm already this will motivate in a position you. where I can't do that. So like now you're it's you're you're gonna throw well, a no, humiliation no, we're, we're, factor. We're gonna it. give you the whole show. Like you're gonna take you're gonna knock out ten, and okay. then come back and talk. I thought you meant like try to sit down and do 50 push-ups at Well, no, time. you're going to try. You're going to go to your arms or jelly, whenever that is. Okay. And then you get the rest of the show to get the rest of them. And then if I don't get the rest of them, then I'm just humiliated. Pretty much, yeah. That's the whole point. Okay, so that, that's great. Because like, I feel like this is going to be a lot harder for me than you. It will be. I can get 100 push-ups. I can't do them all at once, but like, I'll do 50, and then we'll come if back If the line talk, is minus 110, it's basically even. So the the payout should be, I feel like I'm de- I feel like I'm paying more than you. You you're paying fifty fewer pushups. Let's not push our luck here. No, I know, but I mean, you could say uh, you have to run a forty yard dash in four and a half seconds, and you could give Usain Bolt. I mean, if somebody's more apt to do it, then it's nothing to them. Okay, you see what I'm saying? I, I don't just, think I feel you like understand I'm, I'm how these a- bets are actually supposed to work. How are they supposed to work? Just one of us does something funny that's how they work <laughs> okay so uh, what i have to do is i've got to take real money and hedge against this so if i'm humiliated i have to i at least earn exactly money. now i i've told you my philosophy on gambling right ari what's that hedging if your I, happiness if i go to las vegas i could drop 150 dollars at the blackjack table or i could drop 150 dollars on a tomahawk ribeye one of those i'm guaranteed to get a tomahawk ribeye Guess which one I'm choosing. Well, here's my philosophy. Um, you could drop $150 at the tables, or you could drop $150 on a tomahawk ribeye. And if you drop $150 on the table, it's not your last $150, and then you can go get your ribeye anyway. Mm, no. Because you're in Vegas, and that's the fun. <laughs> See, I, $150? I just, you, you, you don't have kids yet, are you? you got to understand. I, I, I got college to pay for. They're going to turn 16. They might want to drive something at some point. There's a lot. We can't be just throwing money around willy-nilly. So, all right. We got we got other numbers to talk about. Let's talk about one of our favorite teams. You ready for, for this one? My personal favorites, the Pittsburgh Panthers. They are on the road at Miami. They are 13.5-point underdogs. Why are we this, doing this? This feels like we've already made a bet. We're not making a bet on this one. We, Why, this yeah, feels, oh yeah, we are. <laughs> this feels like the time Pitt wins. And I don't mean win, they cover. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but they might win it outright. Because this is, this is the time you think, okay, Miami's got to wash the taste of Clemson out. Pitt's on a two-game losing streak. They got no chance. This is the game Pittsburgh wins. Not, I'm not even talking about this. Unless I put some condiment <laughs> no, skin no, in the no, game. No, I just, I'm just saying, like, what's the point? It's like analyzing why a dog is going to bark. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Give, give, give I mean, me yeah, a- yeah. I mean, this this is would be – if Pitt wins the game, it would be completely on brand. 
But as far as I'm concerned, if if Pitt is involved in a spread or a game and you put your money on it, it doesn't matter what you do, you lose. (laughs) Like there's no there's no winning. It's impossible to win this bet. No matter what side you do, it'll be wrong. And if you bet one side and your other friend bets another side, then you're both gonna push. There's no winning this. <laughs> and and you know what? They'll find a way to to push the the, the hook at thirteen and a half. The, the law, so, of, the the immutable law of pit. All right. So, give me a number you are interested in. I actually think that SMU minus six uh, on Friday night is free money against Tulane. Um, I also am very curious about this BYU-Houston game. And I know Houston just uh, has a lot less mileage on their body, but I'm kind of trying to talk myself into BYU being the best non-Power 5 team in the country outside of the impressive performance that Coastal Carolina put on last night, uh, or on uh, Wednesday night. Excuse me, Uh, Big, big Big 12 champion Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that was right. the Big 12 championship game last uh, on Wednesday night. I saw all the tweets of people saying Coastal Carolina could win the Big 12, and I'm not I'm not sure if I disagree at all with that. Sentiment. Well, no, okay. Here's the thing. Now, Coastal their Carolina, offensive line is nasty. Yeah, and and their their center's five nine. He's five nine two ninety. Do you understand <laughs> that five you up for that five nine two ninety translates to like six four three forty. He's just that and he's guy. got leverage. He's got leverage on you. It's unbelievable. But okay, so Coastal Carolina only beat Kansas, but. Louisiana Lafayette beat Iowa State. Arkansas State beat Kansas State. So you've got you've got two teams in the Big 12 that are 3-0 in Big 12 play, both of whom have lost to a Sunbelt team. And then you've got Coastal Carolina, which also has beaten a Big 12 team and then beat one of the teams that beat another Big 12 team. So, yes, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, they are your Big 12 champs this year. Yeah, I mean, hand them the trophy. Now, I don't know who else is going to win it. Oklahoma State is that? Are we still holding out hope that they might be kind of good? I, I don't we, know. We what's are going we on are holding conference. out hope on. I am holding out hope on Oklahoma State. I thought they'd be pretty good coming into the season. Uh, they had a scare against Tulsa, but now that we've seen Tulsa a little bit, I feel a little better about. Actually, I mean Tulsa Cincinnati this week feels like a pretty interesting game. Yeah, if you um, I don't know if you talked about this, but I wanted to I wanted to bring this up to you now that we were talking about the Big Twelve just for a second because I had an argument with a friend and it's been annoying me it. all week. Absolutely, go for it. I thought while watching the Texas game last week that Texas they went on a fourteen zero run at the end of regulation to force overtime, right? Right, and then uh, they scored first in overtime to go up seven, right? Then Oklahoma went on a fourteen zero run, scoring on both of their next subsequent possessions. Do you think? That Texas, when they tied it up again after going down seven in overtime, should have gone for two. In real time, I was thinking, okay, maybe you should go for two here. But I don't have a problem with the way they played it because neither defense was stopping the other. I'd like to give myself a chance on – you're going to have to do two-point conversions in the next overtime anyway. Don't lose the game now when you have a chance to keep it going. Because it's not like – Oklahoma was that much better than Texas. Like you, if you are the severe underdog and you're in that situation, you go for two because the longer you go, the worse your chances get. Texas and Oklahoma aren't that far apart. So lengthening the game doesn't significantly reduce one's chances over the other. So I don't have an issue with, with them kicking the extra point there. Yeah. I, I, I think that you could make an argument either way. That's not, but he was talking to me like I was like the craziest person. I think Texas everybody just wants two. Tom. Everybody wants Tom Herman to be wrong because because the world has turned on Tom Herman. No, he thinks that he should have kicked the extra point. I think he should have gone for two. But either way, I don't think it's a lopsided. I don't think it's a lopsided discussion. I, no, I think it's not that you can make a decision, case for yeah. both. Yeah. Um, and he was he was talking a little bit about like the teams that go for two are the overmatched programs that, that are lucky to get a win. And if you're Texas or you're a, a blue blood or a potential blue blood in this sport that you never put yourself in a position to have to decide the game on a two yard conversion. Well, no, it, it's not, it's not whether conf- you're a blue blood or not. It's it's you make an objective analysis during the game of how do we match up against this team? And if you feel like they are much more talented than you, you should shorten the game. If you feel like they are equal to you or you're better than them, lengthen the game because over time the chances of you winning are better if you have better players so okay but i would what, say that what would you put texas in that scenario i'd say they were relatively equal so you lengthen the game yeah i just think that if you were watching the game 
Texas was fortunate enough to even be in overtime. I think Oklahoma was clearly the better team. Um, and I know that might be a controversial statement, but I, I also feel like nobody's stopping anybody. you got two yards to go to win the game. Just go win it. Make a statement about your season. Get Take your season back. I don't know. I, I, I feel like if they okay, would have won then, on a two-point conversion and, then and walked off. Killing, we are killing Tom Herman even worse than we are now if they are don't we? make that two-point. Yeah, absolutely. Are we? Just crushing him. He's been crushed pretty hard this week. I think people. I think he's taken his beating. I, think it would I, I don't be, know. I, I think it would be worse if he'd gone for two and not made it. I think. It, yeah. Be, I don't even how, know how it idiot, could be. All worse. you have to do is is kick the extra point and tie the game. That's that would be the response there. But the thing is, that's. I mean, look. You're going to get killed if you lose either way. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I don't know. Maybe it's the wrong answer. Like, I just think it's worthy of like discussion. You feel like you're equal. Yeah. If you feel like you're equal, lengthen the game. If you feel like you are at a talent disadvantage, shorten the game. That's that's all there is. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's a nice discussion. I think. I. I. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like Texas had that game. They had the momentum there at the end. Uh, there were multiple times where I think they could have ended it, and I have very little confidence that Oklahoma could stop anybody from getting two yards if they really wanted to. And I understand it's a wonky play and that you're a drop or a weird throw away from losing. I understand that it's tough to get two-point conversions for some reason, but just go get the game and change the vibe of your entire season. I think that that would have, like, spark-plugged them. I don't know. And now it's like, now what? I'm not sure it would have spark-plugged them. I think they'd be the same team either way. I, this, this is what happens. Everybody thinks that there's these massive differences in teams and, and you know, something happened and, and suddenly a team got better. No, yeah, no, I'm not saying like, that we're going to go win at, a national title, but well, at least there'd be a reason to watch them on Saturday. Look at, look at Texas like Now there's A&M no even a reason to watch them. Look at Texas A&M this week. Okay, so Texas A&M is loaded with hope now. They've beaten Florida. What really happened there? Well, Florida fumbled. Texas A&M got it and kicked a field goal. If Florida doesn't fumble, Florida kicks the field goal. So is Texas A&M really that much better than they were this time last week? Not really. They're pretty much the same team. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I, I didn't mean that they were just going to all of a sudden morph into the best top five uh, version of themselves. I, I just meant that their season's done now. Even if they run the table, it's like, well, it's another blah season. And you put yourself in a position to beat Oklahoma. You have a few winnable games coming up. Then all of a sudden, you never know. You might give yourself a chance at the end of November to be in a place that's exciting. And now it's just the reason why everybody in the country watches the Big 12, both of them, like, are dead. And it just kind of sucks, you know. And I don't know if it's just wishful thinking that to have one of those teams be in the mix or if Oklahoma State is just not a sexy enough uh, carrier of the Big 12 flag. But it's just now the fact that we're – uh, in the middle of October, and both of these teams um, are done, it just kind of sucks for the conference and kind of for college football because it's uh, still a fun a fun conference for us all to consume. Well, and we can still consume it. We just don't have to consume kind it with, with an eye on the college football playoff. Although, again, if Oklahoma State runs the table, certainly still doable. Ari, we have to, uh, we have to move on. We, we need to rank some stuff. We've, we didn't do a random ranking last week because we were all about the mayonnaise. But we are going to do a random ranking this week, and Halloween's coming up. I feel like we need to talk about this now as people go out and buy their candy because you don't want to be that person who gives out lame candy at Halloween. So we are going to rank the top five candy bars, our top five candy bars. So, Ari, what do you have at number five? Uh, Snickers. Um, It's not the best candy bar in the world, but it just always gets the job done. You've got the nougat, you've got the caramel, you've got the peanuts, you've got the chocolate. That's just the cornerstone candy bar that has to be on their list. Uh, it's not one of my favorites, but if you don't have it on your list, it's disrespectful to the candy bar game. It's disrespectful to Snickers to have it that low. That is horrible. That's one of the worst things I've ever heard and one of the worst you know explanations what? I've ever heard. You want to know something? Hmm. It's going to get bumpier as we go. So you think that's cool. embarrassing? You're, you're I mean, hey, this is a random I asked ranking you for a reason. We, we started if you're one of those psychos who eats three musketeers and likes it. I don't have three musketeers on my list. I would be the last candy bar on earth I would eat. And by the way, okay, when you start you're, t- you're talking about the top five candy bars, they're all really awesome. <laughs> if there was a Snickers on the table, I would enjoy it. But there are other ones that I pick first. Oh, boy. Okay. My number five, 
100 grand. Now, I went through a phase when I was a kid where 100 grand was my favorite. I, I, I like Nestle Crunch, too. This combines Nestle Crunch and, and a little bit of Snickers. It's, it's chocolate with crisp rice, and then you got caramel inside. It's a really good candy bar, very rich filling. 100 grand. If you get those in your Halloween bucket, you're a happy camper. Okay, nine number four. Kind of yeah. a weird answer. Okay. You know the little mini Hershey bars that they give? Just the Absolutely. little ones that are like there's, yellow. Right, the red four. one. Crackle. Crackle. All right. Nothing That's wrong with my crackle. fourth. Okay. And I don't know. Can you even buy them in a regular size candy bar or is, is it only come in that form? You got to find it. In a, you got to go pretty deep into the candy selection. So that the I, candy store has to, or the, the grocery store has to go fairly deep if you want to buy a regular size crackle. Yeah. Because my grandma always used to have them in her house, and whenever I would go there, I would only eat the red ones. And I just love the simplicity of milk chocolate and Rice Krispie treats. There are Rice Krispies in it. Well, it's, it's a so, really, really good piece of chocolate. So, okay, your number four is Crackle, which is the homeless man's Nestle Crunch. My number four is actual <laughs> Nestle Crunch, which is the best crisp rice candy bar. That's a happy homeless man. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've... If I've had that in a long time. If you've had Crackle, Nest- you've had Nestle Crunch. They're basically the same. No, thing. Crackle is better than Crunch. They're not that I mean, different. whatever. They're the same. Okay, whatever. At, at least Crunch now where I'm not, better. At least I'm not in the psychopath uh, category anymore because now we're getting back to agreeing with each other. So, See, you worry about um, you, but you don't have to agree with me. It's okay. I don't give a crap if you think I'm crazy. That's the point of this. <laughs> All right, what is your number three? So if you Snickers is probably your number one, you already gave it away. My number three is Reese's Cups. Right, nothing wrong and with that's that. That's probably too low to you. Also, it's a good, those, it's a I good, feel like Snickers and Reese's are the two most popular. I am so I am not going out of my way to find a chocolate peanut butter combination, but I respect the game. I I I like chocolate and peanut butter together. Every just about everybody does. And I have no problem. I I get why everyone loves that. I get why it's a lot of people's number one. So nothing wrong. It's not even in your top five based on what you just said. And that would be a bigger, bigger psycho move than me having you are. So put put yourself on warm making assumptions. And you remember what you're saying. Well, the way you said, I don't go out of my way to get chocolate and peanut butter. Then if it's in your top three, then you do. That's not true. So either one, you, I, okay, we'll see what you got. So you talk about going to grandma's house. You got the Hershey's miniatures. There's four Hershey's miniatures. Yellow is your Mr. Mm -hmm. Good bar. It's got the peanuts in there. Yeah, we, we've gone over crackle, and then you got your regular Hershey bar. There's a fourth Hershey's miniature. Some people hate them. This is where I make my hay. I get all of the special darks. I love special dark. I like Gosh. dark chocolate. I prefer if I'm just doing a plain chocolate candy bar. I prefer dark chocolate to to milk chocolate. Special dark is amazing. Like I will eat no kid a eats giant that. whole. This kid did, and it was great because nobody wanted it. I could trade all of my Mr. Good bars, which I could take or leave. I could trade my Hershey's, which I could take or leave. I was, I was keeping the crackles. Uh, but I could trade those and get everybody's special darks and be the happiest kid in the world. Man, that yeah, I, I, I think that the reversal of who's a psychopath on this podcast just took a huge 180. Dark chocolate is yeah. the worst chocolate. Dark chocolate is like the chocolate that people who are dieting convinces themselves that it's okay to have a little. Of. It is better for you. It's, it has less calories. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's not it nearly better. as good as any. Okay. So this is a good segue because my favorite version of chocolate is white chocolate. I think it's better than milk chocolate. That's, that is disgusting. I've had this conversation with Bill white Landis and he says like, the same thing. White chocolate is like chocolate for people who, who don't actually like chocolate. Like, the, the emotions who doesn't actually like me chocolate? a little too much so i need something that isn't as good so my favorite my second favorite um you're gonna say cookies and cream hershey aren't you no 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 i love that candy suck. bar that was an honorable mention but my second favorite candy bar on earth is kit kat and i like them in both forms but to be more specific as to be in the spirit of the random ranking my second favorite is white chocolate kit kat bars because I like white chocolate better than milk chocolate, and I like Kit Kat and the the wafer in there very much so. So that's my number two. That He's making a scowling, disgusting. Awful. This is the most we've ever disagreed in the history of our random this is rankings. Awful. So this is like that's like the mayonnaise of candy bars. Why would you even you, do that? 
They may okay, as well make well, it. Like it's your punishment for hitting an over is eating a, a candy bar so you can get more uh, get more disgusted with yourself, but also kind of get mean, I won't, out easy. I won't gag. It's just it's not that great. All right, my number two, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Like I said, I respect the game. But then why did you say you don't go out of your way to get it? Because it's not my favorite. It's like a second favorite. Okay. I have to be in the I mood. I just feel like I, always, I consume all of my top five. So no, I, can, I consume these. I just have to be in the mood for it. Okay. Okay. So I guess I made a bad assumption. And then I have a, num- a weird number one. Is your number one weird or is it just an obvious one? My number one is the greatest candy bar of all time. Snickers. <laughs> Go ahead. My, yep, my number one. Hell yeah, my number one is Snickers. It's the perfect candy bar. It satisfies. It's a very good candy bar. Certainly a top five worthy. And if you if you think I'm a crazy person for having it that low, I understand. But the fact that it had to be in my top five is the ultimate respect. And it's the same thing with Saltines the few weeks ago. It, it was represented because it had to be. Uh, I don't know how that's not acceptable to you. You're, like, confused. I don't know how it's not number one. You know... I think they do make a dark chocolate Snickers, which is even more perfect, but they're not readily available. Are they next to the Werther's Originals? <laughs> oh, you calling me Grandpa now? <laughs> wow. Mr. White Chocolate is calling me Grandpa. <laughs> I'm going to catch My number gonna, They do have a dark chocolate Snickers. They're available on Amazon. Oh, my. Yeah, go ahead. What, what is it, $19 a bar? But by the way, uh, I am going to call... Former Marshall and Florida and Sacramento Kings star Jason Williams, and ask him if it's possible. Can I borrow his nickname for you? Your new nickname is going to be White Chocolate. I'll take White Chocolate as my nickname. I don't. They they have recently had an abundance of White Chocolate options in the candy bar aisle in every single thing. Yet White Chocolate M and M's, White Chocolate. Uh, Kit Kat bars, you know, there's a bunch of different white chocolate options, and I think it's because people like it. That's why they're giving more options of it. But my number one candy bar is Heath. Have you ever had Heath? I have had a Heath bar. And I feel like that isn't a very popular bar uh, for people to get, but I love the toffee and the milk chocolate around it, and the crunch of it is very satisfying, and that's my favorite one. I do like the almonds. I, I appreciate the idea of an almond candy bar, although I'm not an Almond Joy fan because of the coconut. But Well, the, the Hershey's with almonds is the best Hershey's bar. I do like those a lot. Outside it's, of crack. The, you know, That's al- just a classic a candy bar. Multi-purpose nut. So, yeah, I, I just – I don't know. It, it's not like I've ever craved a Heath bar. Like, there have been times – I you, you go in the gas station and you see the Snickers bars up by the counter – and yep. they got the, the buy one, get one free king size. When you house a king size Snickers bar, there's, there, there, there are not many where you're you know, at the same time experiencing feelings of such joy and such guilt. Me uh, having to uh, work on weight management is a result of not sweets. So I know some people like are, have a sweet tooth and they want candies and chocolates and whatever. That's never been what I've been drawn to. I've been drawn to pizza and hamburgers and yeah. potatoes and all those types of things. So candy has always been kind of secondary to me. It's, it's not something that I eat often. Uh, probably rarely is the word I would use. But when I do, uh, Heath is the go-to. You just, you just cut a, a most interesting man in the world candy bar commercial. I don't always yeah. eat candy bars, but when, <laughs> when I do, I, do. <laughs> I prefer Heath. Yeah, um, it's have you if you haven't had one, I uh, recommend you do that. And also in the reviews or on Twitter, I need to know what people's takes on white chocolate are because I feel like I can't be the only one that loves it. Like it's half-ass chocolate, is what it is. It's, it's delicious. It's, it's chocolate for people who want to half-ass it. Like you see that person with a thirteen-point-one sticker on their car. Yeah, I well have the six point two or whatever. I, I, go, I, I, I go halfway. Like it's half. Oh, thirteen point one's halfway. Yeah, twenty six point two is the full one. Well, what what makes it? I, I mean, I I will push back on it. What makes it ha- halfway? Because it doesn't taste as good. But it's the same calorie content, probably very similar. So yeah. that's the point of so only you're going halfway. The, you're getting all the health detriment 
and none of the taste benefit. And now we're talking about Little Caesars again. <laughs> Except Little Caesars serves a purpose if you are a parent. There's no difference between the white chocolate and the and the milk chocolate and the dark chocolate nutritionally. Well, the dark chocolate. Has Sorry, man. Calories. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, disagree with you on this one. That's all right. And I'm happy that we got you back to random ranking, and I'm happy that we hate each other after that. Was good for the soul. Eat some Heath bars because you got some push-ups to do next week. Yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna just take like 500 bucks and bet the over. So either way, I win. No, Ari. If I get to watch you do push-ups on Zoom, I'm the, the real winner. Yeah, I better start doing some push-ups now. Get get ready to go. I have a personal training session here in about an hour, so I'll tell him to work on T- the back. Tell tell him tell him you need to you need to be able to knock out fifty. It's very yeah, important. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm texting Lane Kiffin and I'm telling him to dial up a shot play every down now. I'm <laughs> if ready. he knows the spread, he'll hit it. I, I promise you. <laughs> All right, Ari Wasserman, it's been a pleasure. Get those arms ready. We're gonna be pumping like pistons next week. We'll talk to you soon.